Hi, this is Heather Wibbles, Managing Director of Bourbon Women and also known as the Cocktail Contessa. Pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cast Chasers Podcast. chasers i am hanging out with probably one of the coolest people in the whiskey and cocktail community um you you already know you already know her well you just heard her intro so you know who i'm talking to but you probably heard of her and even if you haven't there's a good chance something in her universe has crossed through your universe without you even knowing it she is really one of my favorite people and kind of a kind of a legend if especially if you're in the in the cocktail world or whiskey world um I'm just going to keep, you know, blowing her head up as much as I can because she deserves it. Uh, <laughs> my friend, uh, my my friend, Heather Wibbles. Welcome to the show, Heather. I am so excited to be here. Yes. Thank you for having me on so I can talk whiskey and cocktails and geek out with like-minded people. And you are, in the best way, one of my favorite geeks. I love that about you. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know, you're incredible. I'm drinking kind of a nod at 1030 in the morning or 1130 in the morning. Yes, we're professionals, Chasers. We uh, we record during the daytime. I am drinking the Bourbon Women um, single barrel release of New Riff. It's called it's called the um, uh, off the top of my head. I'm forgetting the animal name. Peacock. Yeah, pre- the peacock pre- preferred. Pre- preferred. Um, I, I I'm seeing the picture of the feather, and I'm like, what animal? Duck. Um, but I couldn't read it. <laughs> no. So yeah, it's beautiful. Bourbon Women Peacock Preferred, and that I actually helped pick that one. Yes. And it's one of my favorite because it's so unusual with the smokiness and there's meatiness and, and umami flavors to it. So it's really an atypical bourbon to me. And that pick was just particularly fun because we, I think we had six or seven we were choosing from. They were all delicious. Yeah. And, you know, it was when you get in a room where you're ready to arm wrestle you know, five other women about which is the pick that you're going to do. Yeah, it's pretty fun. And these women are in their themselves master classes in whiskey. Um, and they, they, they all are beast mode. So I imagine you just know it's going to be good, good whiskey. And it is. It's absolutely superb. I mean, New Riff in general is just really good. But to get something from you um, and your team, Dana got it, actually. It wasn't even it was a gift to her. Did you buy it? Yeah, you bought it. Oh, you, well, you, we're a member of, oh, Dana's a member of Bourbon Women, but she bought it. Yeah, she's telling me things in the back. Why don't you just come on the show and interview Heather? Uh, we should. I told Dana yeah, we should yeah. have her on the show she to talk hates. to. Well, she, she, let me tell people what Bourbon Women is, because I don't know that everybody knows what it is. Yeah, it good is, point. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Bourbon Women is a group of fantastic women. We are a nationwide organization, 16 branches across the country. We host in-person events. We have virtual events. And we are really dedicated to exploring bourbon culture, celebrating bourbon. I like to say that we bring women to bourbon and bourbon to women because a lot of what we do is educational. But it's always the easiest networking you've ever had in your life when you're sitting there talking with someone with a glass of bourbon in your hand. It is effortless networking. It just feels like you're out having fun. 
Um, and honestly, the organization has given me some of the best friendships and collegial relationships and professional relationships I've ever had simply because it's fun. We have a good time. We support one another. It's just, it's a really fun group dedicated to making sure that women are part of the whiskey conversation because we've always been drinking it. We just haven't always been talked about drinking it. It's kind of a bummer, not only always drinking it, probably OGs to making it, especially back exactly. in you know, Scotland and things like that. So yeah, a lot of a lot of dumb dudes out there just trying to do what dumb dudes do and, um, you know, push people down and everything. And my wife deals with it, unfortunately. You've heard me bring it up on the show. I try not to be that guy, although I'm an overtalker, which comes across as mansplaining. But the good thing about being surrounded by amazing people and women like yourself, I'm typically too out of my league to even begin mansplaining. Um, so I love that about you and your counterparts. I've interviewed, um, a few people from bourbon women to include Peggy No Stevens, who's one of my favorite people. She's incredible. We all can agree. Um, and it's not, although it comes across as, okay, this group of women, bourbon women, you make up an organization of some of the best people in the whiskey industry, people. And that's not, I mean, masters in their class masters in their in their in their art form and produce create invest and and motivate and maybe even you know um what's the word i'm looking for for um inspire some of the best stuff we have out there right now so no i'm truly thankful this whiskey itself is very incredible um i want to talk a little bit about we're going to get to bourbon women but i really want to talk about kind of your cool nickname, uh, the Cocktail Contessa, and where that comes from. You and I have chatted cocktails before. We were chatting a little bit before we came on. You, Your cocktail ability is probably, it's very NASA level. You know what I mean? I imagine if, if NASA was like, we really got to get some cocktails up there. They're coming to you. I just feel like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I would hope. Yeah. As long as I don't have to take the vomit comet, I'm fine. You do, though. I think you do. <laughs> no. I want to no, see, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> what was the movie with Matt Damon where he's in Ma he's on Mars and he's got a, he's like a botanist and he's got to plant potatoes and everything. I want to see that film, but with- The Martian. The Martian. Yeah. I want to see that film, but it's cocktail. Mm -hmm. And the only way to survive, like they need fuel and they're like, we got to have a Manhattan. That's the only thing this thing takes. And then Heather Wibbles <laughs> that... is there. <laughs> Well, I'm a huge science fiction fan, so that would be right up my alley yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I know that. That oh, would be yeah. amazing. Yeah, but no, Cocktail Contessa, you know, all of my journey really centers around bourbon women, to be honest. <clears throat> when I moved back to, um, I lived in Nashville for 17 years. When I moved back to Louisville, I figured, well, I better know a little bit about bourbon. I'd always sipped on bourbon, not in any kind of uh, professional way, not really seriously. I just always had it around. And my best friend and I started going to the, the bourbon trail, honestly. We loved it. We went to a bourbon women event, never stopped going to bourbon women events. And I started entering the cocktail contest and bourbon women has a not your pink cocktail contest every year. We want you a not your pink drink because we're kind of pushing against the notion that women like sweet girly drinks. Um, in our experience, uh, women tend to like complex, high proof, very booze forward uh, cocktails. So we kind of like to push against that with our with our contest. But I won that so many times that they asked me to stop entering it and could you help judge it? And then I was creating um, cocktail content for bourbon women and Peggy No Stevens, our founder, was having an event for Susan Riegler, who was uh, a president for many, many years. 
of bourbon women. And she asked me to make some custom cocktails. I showed up at a door with boxes of cocktail goodies. And she's like, oh, it's the cocktail Contessa. I said, can I steal that? And she said, of course. So I registered the website domain. You know, I started the blog. I put everything online and it got to the point where I am here. Uh, and the, my book that came out last year, Bourbon is My Comfort Food, is all about bourbon cocktails. There's a lot of books about cocktails. There aren't that many just about bourbon. And when I put it together, I really wanted to create a book that was less a list of cocktails and more a way to think about bourbon and cocktails. Because a lot of people think if you call yourself a whiskey drinker, you're drinking it neat or on the rocks. They don't really think you're drinking it in a cocktail. I think if you really want to talk about being inclusive in the whiskey community and in the bourbon world, you have to include people whose preferred way to sip a spirit is in a cocktail. Yeah. I mean, the master distillers, the owners, the founders, they just want you to enjoy it with special people. They're not that concerned whether you're sipping it neat or on the rocks. They just want to make sure you love it. That cocktail, that... that um, the actual uh, spirit that you were sipping, that peacock preferred bottle pick. Um, I made a cocktail with that, with a honey syrup that uh, was just absolutely delicious. Not a sour, just an old fashioned with a little bit of honey syrup. I think I used some ginger bitters. Um, I'd have to look up the recipe for I have all those things. So I'm, I'm now yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I'll, have to, I'll have to look up the specific recipe and get back to you. Because one of the things we do for the, the barrel picks for the Peacock Club is we create a custom cocktail for each one. So I'm making cocktails with barrel-proof spirits, which I do all the time. You do have some. You're not Sarah. lying. Yeah. 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 No, I'm a, I was prepped. Anyway, go on. You are. We didn't even talk about this and you're ready for I it. I know, and I'm already um, ready. You're like, mm, I know what I'm making after this. He's creepy uh, but, good at what he does. That's what he's like. I think he was in my home. He might have been. That's how good of an well, interviewer I am. Like, I don't know if they're going to be able to see this, but you can see in the background what I have. Yeah. But I don't. I don't have my syrups uh, on the bookshelf behind me. But it's impressive. Yeah, so, but yeah. But but what is fun is um, kind of blowing people's minds that you can make really fantastic cocktails with barrel-proof spirits. You don't have to stick with the hundred-proof or ninety-proof. You know, it, there's so much more flavor and a higher proof spirit and it gets diluted automatically in the process of creating it. That those extra flavors that come out when you t when you taste something on the rocks are automatically there. They just they shine. I I love that. And one of my favorite things analogy that I use, it's almost like and I've heard it before, so it's not really mine, but it's like a chef. You know what I mean? You you know, you watch you know, somebody take a good cut of beef and just make a steak or maybe um, maybe something really thinly sliced or whatever, and they really let the beef talk. That's like drinking it neat. But then sometimes you make a really good bolognese or you make a really good, you know, pot roast or something like that. You're not taking away from it being beef. You're just really amplifying it as a really good ingredient. And I think using nothing against real whiskey, but using a cheap whiskey for the sake of cheap whiskey, and there's really good cheap whiskeys out there. There's other episodes there about that. Um, just for to say, look, I'm going to have a whatever in Coke. Sometimes a Coca-Cola, that's a really, we, we downplay the simplest cocktail, uh, something in Coke. Coke is a sweet, flavorful, we all like Coke. I mean, it's very sugar, you know, sugary, but... I like a little smoke in there, Smoky Coke. I like a little, um, you know, Jack Daniels has its own flavor. There's your Jack and Coke. But sometimes I'll put a high strength in there or a whiskey sour. I'll change it up with different types of whiskeys um, and then create, you know, the penicillin all the way down to the basic. Um, so I think it's an ingredient and elevator. 
of flavor, meaning you're supposed to ha- let the whiskey dance, I guess, or the or the spirit dance within the other ingredients and not just cover it up. That's vodka. Well, exactly. Yeah. Because whiskey takes a long time to make. Bourbon takes years to make. And if you take a truly great whiskey, and if you're a whiskey geek like me or you or Dana, and you can sit and pull out specific aroma notes of, you know, not just spice, but like, let's say it's not just ginger, but like fresh ginger, like Mm. the spiciness of fresh ginger root versus brown ginger or a ginger topping on a tart or something like that. People who are whiskey geeks can really get down and they don't just say it tastes like orange. They'll say, you know, it really tastes like mandarin orange, or it kind of makes me think of blood orange, or it makes me think of dried orange peel or candied orange peel. So people who are whiskey geeks can really dive deep into the enunciating and really clarifying what the flavor notes are that they're pulling out of the particular whiskey. And so when you're going to create a cocktail, you have two choices. You can either... Um, use those notes and build upon them. So take the same notes that are already in that whiskey and build upon them and just kind of accentuate them, which, which really, it really makes the whiskey shine in a drink. Yeah. Or you can do something a little bit more complex, which is take those flavor notes. Let's say, um, let's say you're working with something that has a lot of cinnamon in it. And uh, you don't really want to add cinnamon bitters because you think it's got enough of of that on the nose. You think it's got enough of that in the flavor but you really like the flavor of like cinnamon and maple. Well, then maybe you use maple syrup as a modifier or barrel aged maple syrup as a modifier. And maybe you think, well, I kind of like maple syrup and uh, smokiness or maple syrup and ginger. And so you can add these additional flavor notes in to build on a particular profile. And it's just like cooking. It's an ingredient. It's it's like being a liquid chef. It's an ingredient in a particular uh, combination of things that gives you a flavor experience. If you think about what a chef does, a pastry chef or a regular chef or someone who makes cocktails, they are communicating a flavor experience to you. They're sharing an experience that they've had that they enjoy with you. And and they can't do that if it doesn't stand on its own two feet with a really great whiskey. And like you said, there's some fantastic value whiskeys out there. I'm not saying to use your expensive whiskey but I'm saying to use a whiskey that you enjoy because it drives me crazy when people say, I don't really like that whiskey. I'll save it for cocktails. If I don't like the whiskey, I will not put it in a cocktail because I will be able to taste what I don't like in the cocktail. I can't hide it. Once you're able to taste whatever off note or whatever thing you don't love, you will notice that in the whiskey and it will make it for an unenjoyable cocktail. So I really counsel people to use to use bourbons and whiskeys that they're comfortable with the price range, but they still like. That's something that they find intriguing. It's something that they can play with. It's something that they find complexity in because that gives you, uh, that gives you a broader kind of canvas to paint your cocktail on. That remind and the beautiful thing about whiskey and you, you kind of talked about it and I had this conversation. I'm going to weave all this in. I promise. Um, with Peggy No Stevens, the Peggy No Stevens, and the Heather Wibbles, by the way. At your top tier i don't want to act like there's 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 levels here but these two women are please follow them oh my god you're gonna learn so much anyway i digress she told me and you just hit the nail on the head too which is beautiful um we were doing a tasting with her um which was in itself incredible and she said what do you taste and i said it's kind of appley and she goes no what kind of apple and we go down this whole road here and then you said 
you hear people say, you know, that whiskey's not very good. I'm going to save it for a cocktail. That reminds me of my grandmother. I'm from Texas and Oklahoma. My grandmother came from the Great Depression. When they would have like a rant, like she would have like a leftover meat that me or something that was like almost ready to turn. And mm-hmm. she, we had, she had money. I mean, I was poor, but I mean, they weren't to the position where they were just, you know, homeless. She would had it ingrained in her to take the worst thing and bake it into a casserole. And mm-hmm. she would say, we're not going to waste anything. And I would eat it. And my grandmother was a great cook. But when she would do these casseroles, because she didn't want to let things go to waste, I would think this should have just gone to waste. You should have just threw yeah. this out. So sometimes it's not the right idea to bury something you don't like in a cocktail for the sake. You're really missing the point of what a cocktail should be. And that was just a bad whiskey. And you learned your lesson. You moved on, I think, or whatever yeah. the spirit may be. So. Everyone in the world is going to, I'm going to ask you this too, and it's just such a cliche. What's your favorite cocktail? I'm not going to, we're going to get to that. It's probably your least favorite question. What's your, what's the most underrated cocktail in your opinion? Oh Lord, that's a hard question. You're welcome. Um, You didn't warn me about this question. No, Um, I do that. The most underrated cocktail. You know, I, I will say, and I don't know that most people would agree with this, but the lion's tail, which is a bourbon cocktail, a whiskey cocktail, really, with lime juice. It's a sour. Mm. So it's got lime juice, a little bit of allspice dram. And lime juice doesn't usually go with whiskey. But in this, in it as a sour, and, and in general, I think, I think whiskey sours are overlooked. Yeah. So I... A really great sour is not complicated. It can really just shine with the flavors of the whiskey. But I will say most people, if they're going to go out and order a cocktail, they're probably going to order a Manhattan or an Old Fashioned. Agreed. Sometimes Boulevardier, if they're whiskey drinkers. But I think the lion's tail, not only is our whiskey sours as a category, I think sort of undersold. Because when I do classes, sours are how I get people to drink whiskey. I love if them. I'm working with a group of people who think they don't like whiskey, I put it in a sour because they're used to drinking margaritas. They're used to drinking daiquiris. They just they think mm. that the whiskey sour is going to be really different. And it is different, but in a good way and in a way that doesn't detract from the whiskey and doesn't detract from the sweet and the sour element. So I really, you know, I think sours in general are a little bit underrated. Uh, but now, you know what? The other thing, um, really great highball. A highball done well is a thing of beauty. Summer. It is simple. Oh. It's two or three ingredients. You chill your glass, really cold ice, really cold mixer, really great bourbon. And it is it is dangerously, I will say, sippable, yeah. especially because we have so many options on flavored seltzers now. I think it was Jim Bean that really pushed that in a commercial, maybe mm-hmm. last summer, the summer before. They really wanted you to have one of those. And we were just like, mm-hmm. maybe Jim Beam, maybe. But we should have, yeah. Was it Jim Beam? Yeah, and yeah. and when they're when they're really done well, and when they're done just mediocre, they're not worth it. Yeah. But when they're done really well, and they have some surprises in terms of the garnish or extra bitters or modifiers added, they can they can really be gorgeous. They can you, really be uh, amazing. You're so brilliant that you accidentally teach people things. I think you accidentally just taught me something, or or you just what cracked is, an egg that. <laughs> that's gonna that I didn't even consider, and I I look I'm uh I try I'm not humble but I am humble I have an ego because I don't have an ego because I have personal issues I deal with so I paint that in laughter and 
that's for my therapist. But go on. Um, I I think it's okay to not this know. Is not therapy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, is a whiskey sour? Is is when I order a whiskey sour? Is that equivalent to me saying, "Get me a piece of cake" without telling them what kind of cake I want? Is a whiskey sour multiple different kinds of drink? Because you you keep saying, "I yeah. love a sour. I love a sour." Well, I so. A sour, a whiskey sour is a category, I would say. Mind blown. So that there's because we think of it as one thing. Like when I order a one thing, sure. But you've had like a blackberry sour. You may have had a maple sour. You may have had a smoked whiskey sour. Those are all variations on the whiskey sour mm. that have different modifiers. So the sweet element can be modified. So I use mm. fruit syrups all summer. Uh, infused maple syrups in the winter. Use ginger infused maple syrup for uh or coffee infused actually coffee in a sour is fantastic you wouldn't think it would be but if you infuse your maple syrup with coffee beans for a couple days and then use that as the syrup in your whiskey sour it gives you a really unusual sour and for people who love coffee it's great if somebody doesn't love coffee it's not going to be a good mix but coffee goes really well with pineapple for some reason and the coffee and pineapple flavor and coffee and banana flavors are used pretty frequently in tiki drinks Mm. right so drinks that are uh, more tropical tropical is really the better word to use here not tiki so in tropical drinks you have that banana flavor in there but what you notice is that we also talk about an awful lot of bourbons having banana notes in them right so you can use that and know that a whiskey that has a lot of banana notes in it, Old Forester's coming to mind, would go really well with something that had either coffee bitters, it could have coffee liqueur in it, it could have coffee syrup. Um, but yeah, that's that's what my brain does all day when I start talking about cocktails. Well, I want to <laughs> paint the picture of how complex it is and where my mind goes because a conversation with you, and I know I keep, oh man, I keep placating and... I do this sometimes when I'm geeking out with somebody I really respect, and I so just take it, just 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 take the compliments. But I really feel this way. You're one of those conversations where I will lay in bed at night and just it, like like when you listen to like um, Richard Dawkins or like um, Neil deGrasse Tyson do a thing, you know, if you're a space nerd, and then you lay in bed and you think, where did the universe? And your brain just won't go to sleep because it has to. You're mm-hmm. that conversation. So. If you're a chef and you go to, and I've never been to chef school or any culinary school, you learn about, for example, the mother sauces. You learn to build, so you start from, a, maybe you build a broth, and a broth becomes a soup, and a soup becomes a stew, and that's kind of how it works. So any dish you have really is just an amplified version of something more basic. You with me? Listeners, mm-hmm. for the most part. I kind of, it sounds like cocktails are the same thing, is what I'm kind of getting at. Like... I'm trying to think of the most basic cocktail is a just a simple old fashioned, right? Maybe sugar, bitters, whiskey, some ice. That elevates to something that's you've like maybe something greater, something that's so much more complex. But would you say there's cocktails that we know, the the common folk know, and then you name a cocktail that's so complex and you say that's just an elevated version of that basic drink. Does that make sense what, what I'm trying to say? Yeah. There is an entire book on that called the Cocktail Codex, and it strips down all cocktails to, I think, five basic ones, right? Um, sours, old-fashioned types, martinis, they have, they have a whole list. For each of those, they have a, 
a list or a chart of all these other ones that are variations on that original and then all the variations on those. Um, and so, you know, when someone says, what's your favorite cocktail? I don't really know if they're asking me for a cocktail category or a favorite cocktail experience mm -hmm. um, or a favorite set of cocktail flavors. And honestly, just like with whiskey, your cocktail preference palette changes by time of day, who you're talking to, what you're thirsty for, what you just ate, what you've been thinking about all week. Um, so I think when you when you consider cocktails, just like rye is a category and bourbon is a category and Irish whiskey is a category and scotch is a category, there are particular flavor profiles that you associate with each. I would say that cocktails have the same have the same sort of simplicity, but also beget the same types of complexity as the hundreds or thousands of brands of different bourbon that we have and hundreds and thousands of different brands of rye whiskey that we have. So if you think about cocktails and and just, just so you know, recipes and cocktails cannot be copyrighted. They, you can copyright the text around them, but the actual ratios that you use for something can't really be copyrighted, copyrighted at least in, in US law which means that you can call something a sour and you can make something that looks like a sour and make it special and make it your own. It doesn't mean that you've necessarily copied anyone. There's a limited number of ingredients that you can potentially put into any piece of food or any beverage. So that's probably why they did it that way. But when you think about cocktails, the way I learned it was I learned old and old fashioned first, and then I tweaked it a thousand different ways. And then I did a Manhattan one way. And then I tweaked it a thousand different ways. And so in the, my book, bourbon is my comfort food. It really goes from cocktail type to cocktail type and also teaches you a little bit about the different ways modifiers can be used with your own palate. Like for one of my favorite classes to teach and my favorite lab in the book, I have cocktail labs in the bourbon is my comfort food book is for bourbon and bitters. And you make a base old fashioned without any bitters and you start and you put orange in the first one. Maybe you put chocolate in the second one, nut in the third one. You go back and put chocolate in the orange one. And, and you play with all the different kinds of things that bitters add and that bitters bring out in different whiskeys. Mm -hmm. And when I do this in a class, people are absolutely fascinated. Number one, because they didn't even realize a lot of times that there are different flavors of bitters. But two, also that the bitters put together is a completely different flavor experience than the bitters singularly. And both of those things draw different flavors and different profiles and different notes from the whiskey and the base spirit itself. That, that is so mind blowing. It's basically there, there's a billion different, I guess, algorithms and, and it's, it's like pick a four digit combination. You have a million different, you know, ways you mm -hmm. could do that and it's the same way with mm -hmm. cock so we so we created quotation marks a cocktail that um we submitted to um sam hewan the actor he had a um he has a whiskey he, he he came out with he's from the show outlander you've heard me talk about him enough but um listeners um we he for his birthday he, he was given a book and in that book one of our cocktails we all got to submit a cocktail which was neat because mm -hmm. i'm not a cocktail i love cocktails but i'm not a cocktail maker so my wife actually created what she called the Hawaiian pig, and it reminded her of our time in Hawaii. We lived in Hawaii for two years, and it was very. It's probably, and I, I kept thinking this is probably already a cocktail, but it's ours in this moment. 
It's mm-hmm. basically pineapple juice, uh, peated scotch, and a little bit of maraschino, or not maraschino, cherry juice. I used that once. It was uh, grenadine to just kind of mm-hmm. float on the top. And mm-hmm. that's it. And that probably already exists. I mean, that's that, that probably lives in the world of, of cocktails, but we don't know about it. And in that moment, it meant so much, and it reminded us of a smoked Hawaiian pig, if you've ever been there, really pineapple, fruity, and it was mm-hmm. just kind of that vibe. And I really dug that. And um, But again, I think the variations, maybe the, the, the amount we put in it, that's essentially probably a sour to some degree maybe, or God knows what mm-hmm. it is, a category. But that's the thing. My point is you can play around and it's okay. And I think mm-hmm. instead of just saying, I make an old-fashioned every night, we'll put something cool in that thing. You know, maybe throw some peanut butter and jelly in it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe that's good. Maybe it's not. Oh, actually, you know what? Of course it's it really is. Of course fun. she's going to say. Okay. So, so yeah. So funny you say that. That's like the highest trafficked uh the highest traffic on my website, thousands and thousands and thousands of views per month, is about peanut butter whiskey. Mm. And, and one of the recipes in there is a peanut butter and jelly old-fashioned. And you use grape conquer juice to make a simple syrup. Just a little bit of peanut butter whiskey, mostly all regular whiskey, because I'm not the kind of person that's going to make a drink that's going to hit you in the face with peanut butter. Mm. And then for a garnish, you make a little tiny peanut butter and jelly sandwich with the cut, crust cut off, like maybe an inch and a half square. You put it on there and it gets all drippy and drips down the side of the glass. And then you eat it when you're done with your cocktail. It's so much fun. But but that's exactly it. So you have an idea of a flavor experience that you really enjoy, right? You have an idea of flavors that go well together for you. You can take those ideas and you can make them into cocktail form. And especially if you want to let your listeners know, I actually do cocktail support for people all the time in my Instagram DMs, cocktail underscore Contessa, or at my website, cocktailcontessa.com. I have people emailing me or contacting me on social media because they're trying to make a certain flavor combination, but they don't know which direction to go or how to imbue something with a particular flavor. You're like a cocktail 911. I am. I am cocktail 911. I had somebody emailing me. I think it was last week or the week before um, she was working on a presentation and the theme was going to be ginger. And she wanted to talk about ways to get ginger flavor in cocktails. And I, 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 I gave her like five or six different options, some ideas for cocktails to try. She was so happy because I could tell her kind of point her in the right direction. She could play and decide what she wanted, but at least that way, you know, I can tell her, if it's going to be for people who don't normally drink whiskey or really strong cocktails, here's probably what I would use to get that ginger flavor without overwhelming them. So, so when you, when you make a cocktail, if you're making it for yourself, you make it one way. If I make a cocktail for my husband or my mom or my best friend, completely different. He loves whiskey sours that are so sweet that I can't stand it. I love them that are so sour that he can't stand it. So when I hand him a cocktail to taste, I'll say, Hey, what do you think? He'll go, well, not quite sweet enough. That means to me the balance is right because if I'm just I if I think it's a little too sweet and he thinks it's a little not sweet enough, then I know that I'm right in the middle on that. You know how lucky I am. Oh, you are so lucky. I know being married to you. That's number one, right? That's no joke, babe. It's no joke, and and I'm going to tell you why. Aside from being married to you, my two favorite independent bottlers mm-hmm. happen to be in the Impux portfolio. What luck. I know. We've got Adelphi Selections. Yeah. Bottler started in 1993, I want to say. Okay. And Single Malts of Scotland. Yeah. 
who those casts are selected by my good friend Ollie Chilton. I know Ollie. You know Ollie. Yeah. Yeah, he came to drink with us. Uh-huh. So back to the idea of drinking off the beaten path. Oh, this again. If you are looking for a wide array of flavors, going after independently bottled whiskey is where it's at because their idea is never to repeat a flavor. Never? Never to repeat a flavor. Well. Always bottle something new, always something different, and more importantly, always something delicious mm -hmm. and something that won't steal all of your wallet. Okay. That's I like that part. You like that. I knew you'd yeah. like that part. So listen, Haida, I have to tell you, and I have to tell our listeners here, Impex Beverages. Yes. Proud sponsor of Cast Chasers Podcast. Excellent. So you I, just have to learn your audience, too. I love that. First and foremost, I hope one day you have a call center, and it's just a 911 cocktail call center, and people call... I just want to hear, ma'am, 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 I need you to calm down. I need you to tell me what you have in your kitchen right now. <laughs> I got sugar. Um, I got a... Well, what we're going to make no, is... It'll be ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. Don't shake that cocktail. Don't shake that. That's a stirred cocktail. Is it a just juice? Stir the cocktail. It's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there cream in it? No. Is there juice? No. Stir the cocktail. I promise you it'll be fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then at the end, it's like sad music plays. Like, I just want to thank you so much. You saved my relationship. <laughs> um, okay. Cocktail 911. Yeah. I want to trademark. I'm going um, to name three um, um, cocktails that I, my favorites, like cocktails. And... And I know you're thinking, we send you a pack. We send all our guests a packet. And the beautiful thing about the packet is I have such wild AD, ADD that I don't stick to any of the questions. So, And I think guests really love that, um, especially my <laughs> introvert. You're not. You're, you, thankfully, I've hung out with you before, so you're ready for my nonsense. But sometimes I get these like really professional, they don't know me people, and they're like, okay, these are the questions. And then none of, you know, because I want to know. I want to know. Um, mm -hmm. but you're smart enough. You're, you're awesome enough. I think you can handle it. So I'm going to name my three favorite cocktails. And then if I came to your house and you were going to make me a drink, but it wasn't going to be one of these three cocktails, what you would make me. Is that fair? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like, um, my favorite, um, old fashioned is a, is a chocolate old fashioned, um, dark chocolate old fashioned. I am in love with paper planes. I love mm -hmm. them so much. And I think gin fizzes are probably one of the most elegant piece of cake drinks you can drink in your entire life. And maybe my favorite non non whiskey cocktail. And then I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw a fourth side kind of side uh, like a like a spare tire in there, if you will. Um, I really like penicillins a lot. Penicillin. Yeah, which is okay. Uh, a smoky so you said uh, yeah. Yeah. So you said chocolate old fashioned. Right. Ramos. Gin, gin Ramos, yep, and a um, Jim Fizz Ramos, and a um, uh, penicillin, and a, okay. well, that was kind of my, my spare tire. I don't always pull that one out. Um, what was the second paper one? Paper plane. Paper plane. Okay, so what you may not know is that chocolate does exceptionally well in sours. Okay. You said, yeah, which blows, blows my mind, by the way. Yes. Yeah. So, think. and you don't think it would. And the reason I'm thinking about this is yesterday on um, Shaker and Spoon, there's somebody in the Shaker and Spoon, <clears throat> excuse me, yesterday, there was somebody on the Shaker and Spoon Facebook group who was posting cocktails and she had made a lavender chocolate sour. It was an egg white sour. So it was nice and frothy. I had that top, you know, that nice foamy uh, pillow on the top. So from what you said, 
Um, I would probably do a sour that had um, whiskey, maybe a little bit of uh, chocolate liqueur and Campari, but in a sour format, um, probably using chocolate bitters, but definitely with egg white. Yeah. Or, oh, you know what you could do? Oh, um, you could do a, uh, a Ramos gin fizz, but with, instead of gin, you could use um, whiskey. I do Ramos with whiskey most of the time. Anyway, I there, thought it's, of that. it's so good. It's so good. It's so, so good. Um, especially if you use like a ginger ale instead of regular, just plain soda water. But what you could do is, um, I can't remember the name of it, but somebody is making a canned cocktail that has Campari in it. And you could use like something like a canned Campari spritz as the, um, carbonated element and a Ramos gin fizz that has a chocolate base because chocolate goes really well with Campari. Campari has some chocolate notes and some coffee notes. And so you tie those two together with a, with a whiskey, probably a bourbon because it'll be a little bit sweeter, but something that's aggressive and has a nice punch, maybe a hundred to 105 proof. Yes. I think that would be really fun. That I don't know sounds... how that would turn out, but it would, it's really intriguing to me to combine a little bit of that bitterness with the chocolate. And the paper plane, you know, is uh, a sour element. Yeah, I think you know, it's like sour. sour element in yeah. I'm a um, tangy guy, I guess. And, you know, it's funny because <laughs> with food, I'm a very, I like umami. I like rich and deep. I love venison mm -hmm. and steak and, you know, r rustic potatoes or mushrooms. I'm not a dessert guy. But when I go to mm -hmm. cocktails, I really do like a tang. I like a funky, soury kind of thing. And I, I, that's my jam. And you hit the nail on the head and all well, that works. And chocolate is and so I, underrated by itself. We just think of it as sweet. I mean, there's so much you could do with chocolate. Oh yeah. it's, well, if you think about how it's used in uh, Mexican mm -hmm. culinary uses, the mole sauce, mm -hmm. it is not a sweet sauce. And it is fantastic. Um, there are a couple of companies make mole bitters that are chocolate mole bitters, which are amazing in drinks. And sometimes you don't need, you don't need a lot of a modifier to get the hint of it there. Or you know what else you could do, honestly? So here's what you could do. You could make that, um, you could make the Ramos Gin Fizz, but without the Campari and just spritz some Campari on the top on the foam. Yeah. That will give you, get you the aromatics. And because you drink Aromas Gin Fizz from a straw, as long as that's kind of up high, you're going to have those aromatics from the Campari, which has the chocolate, the citrus, that bitterness at the very top. I think that would make a really interesting, I think that would be a really interesting way to get the Campari flavor in there and kind of hook into the, the paper plane and the sour as well. This must be what it's like to do a mission with MacGyver. It's just like you're like, what well, are you going to do with that gum and paper clip? I, oh, a bomb. But I, okay. But oh. I don't know what's going to work. See, that's, but that's I think the, you, I can, I can I tell you, you about what I think will work. Yeah. I will tell you about one that, that drove me crazy because for Christmas or for, for New Year's Eve, I was going to take cocktails over um, and I wanted to do a cider mimosa. And I must have tried eight different variations of a cider mimosa and I could not get it to work. There was something about the way the cider was combining with the champagne or the Prosecco or whatever bubbly element I used. And I finally just gave up yeah. and created a completely different bubbly cocktail. What do you, so, 
what do you do when you let somebody down in this in that? And I, I know I'm jumping ahead, but it sounds like oh, I fix it. If that you I fix it. Yeah, if you if somebody tastes it and they're like, oh, and you see it in their face, you're such a perfectionist. Are you and you you know what you're doing? Are you ever like, it is good. You're an idiot. You know, you hear some chefs on like shows no. that are like, they're so full. No, of, because you know, you're. Yeah. No, you know, for whiskey drinkers, our palate is our own. When I teach mm. class, I probably say a hundred times. If I say five times, I say it a hundred times. Your palate is your own. Don't let somebody else tell you what you like to drink, whether it's whiskey or whether it's cocktail. You know what you like. My mom loves sweet drinks. She loves chocolatey drinks. I know if I make a drink that's a sugar bomb that's relatively sweet, that's got a nice chocolate kick to it, she's going to love it. Mm. I know that when I make the same drink for me, I don't want it that sweet at all. I love complexly bitter drinks. I love Amari. I love bitters. I have way too many of both in my house. You have to understand that it doesn't matter how good the cocktail is. If it's not something that appeals to you, you're not going to enjoy it. And you're not going to get the communication of that flavor experience from another person. I love that. And, and one of the things that you have that when I, one of the things when I am communicating about cocktails to people is really to empower them to not let someone else tell them, Hey, that's a great cocktail. You must be wrong because that's the most wonderful cocktail in the world. There's something wrong with you. Do not doubt your sense of flavor, your palate. You know, I mean, Bobby, you talk to people about whiskey all the time. You know, people's whiskey preferences are different person mm-hmm. to person. Your well, flavor I, preferences I've been for food out. are different person to person. I've been called out. I've had whiskeys that I thought were incredible and then giants in the industry have given it one star and I won't name names but there's been whiskeys where I tasted it and I thought man that's pretty good and then I watched somebody who's big in the whiskey review world and say ah it was mediocre and then I go oh my god maybe I don't know what I'm talking about and then I have to remind myself no dude you liked it you liked it well you know here's the thing does it does it matter no it really doesn't because the whiskey is being bought by people and it's being consumed by people who enjoy it that's why i don't do reviews honestly if you how much you enjoy a whiskey has a lot to do with your situation Mm -hmm. who you're Mm -hmm. with what happened to you Mm -hmm. that day Mm -hmm. what you've been eating what you've been drinking all of that can throw your palate off and yes there are people who are finally absolutely finely tuned to the specifics of what makes in general something a really great whiskey, that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy a whiskey that they don't like. Can I confess something to you? that they don't rate highly. Since you are my therapist, lawyer, and and priest. (laughs) Um, She's my whiskey priestess. Um, well, I do have degrees in religion. And I bet you do. So yes. Yeah. Well, that's another conversation I would like, cause that's my jam. Uh, I studied that <laughs> awesome. college myself. Yeah. Um, uh, so I have a friend, a friend of mine who is, she is, she's a whiskey drinker. She loves whiskey. And my favorite whiskey, um, brand is Highland Park. I'm a bourbon guy. I like, but I, and I like, but my favorite all time is Highland Park. It's just got a funk. I love to it. I love funky things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I served her this this um highland park and she was like that's disgusting it tastes like cheese it tastes like feet and it tastes like all the things you don't and i'm like okay well let me try it try another one here's the 17 year oh it's gross i got her all the way up to the 25 and she was like no it's terrible and i'm like we're not friends and i haven't talked to her in years and it's just i refuse no i'm kidding but it really i just thought you have no idea what you like as a human being i think the fbi should be involved and I was so upset <laughs> and so mad about 
the her inability to like what I liked and something I thought was delicious and amazing it blew my mind but but I think so so if you're specifically talking about something that has funky aromas and flavors in it if you're talking about something like peaty scotch um you have to learn I think you have to teach your palate or educate your palate about how to get through those flavors that are overwhelming at first mm. um, so that you can taste underneath either the bitterness or the peatiness. For example, I didn't really like smoky scotch at all until, until I started to take an interest in mezcal. And mezcal's smokiness is completely different from scotch's smokiness, but it's still smoke. Right. So I was able to go from sipping on mezcal, being able to distinguish between different flavors in the mezcal, and then pull that over to um, Isla Scotch. Mm. And what was really interesting to me was I hadn't done it on purpose, but I had retrained my palate so that, you know, the first time I tried, I think I tried Ardbeg at Whiskey Live like in 2014 or 2015. And then I couldn't get the taste out of my mouth for like an hour. Smoking a pack of Marlboros. Exactly. Yeah. And, but now I taste like I have a bottle of Wee Beastie, Ardbeg's mm. Wee Beastie. And to me, I do taste the smoke, but underneath I taste all that sweet graininess. So I think you, I see you get, you're getting a bottle of it out now. Yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to be in your head while you're talking. Yeah. yeah. So, so when, so when I'm thinking about introducing new spirits to people, who don't necessarily already enjoy that spirit. For example, somebody who doesn't love gin, introducing them to different gins with different flavor profiles so they can make a connection in their experience between different flavor profiles in a spirit. So for example, London dry gin, huge, huge pineapple notes, not pineapple, huge, huge juniper notes. Mm. I mean, the, the juniper notes in a London dry gin can be overwhelming. But if you look at some of the American gins, they're a little bit softer. They may be a little bit more citrus forward. Um, and there are other gins that have juniper in them as a flavor component, but they might have more berry or more herbal botanical notes in them. They might be more floral. So when, when you educate somebody about a spirit, sometimes what I've found is, number one, sometimes you can't win. Sometimes it's just not a good match between what they like and what they enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I hate Swiss cheese. I'm never going to like Swiss cheese. I don't care how much you tell me how wonderful it is. Every time I try it, I hate it. it, That's just not going to change. I am never going to be a Swiss cheese connoisseur. The person that you were tasting with may never love Isla Scotch, but maybe she'd like something different like a mezcal or something that had smoke in a different manner or uh, a slightly smoky Irish whiskey. So if you think about getting people's interest in something and educating them about the way things taste that are in the same category taste, they figure out, oh, I do like scotch. I just like Highland scotch, not Isla scotch. Or they might say, oh, I do like peaty scotch, but I don't like it peated in this particular you know, amount. I like it very softly peated. Does I, that I, make sense? No, I think it makes beautiful sense. And Dana and I are, you know, Minus her level-headedness and my, you know, ability to freak her out and make her uncomfortable in every situation, we balance each other very well because I can hear her 
over and over again saying, ooh, it's sickening sweet. That's food. That's, um, I like, we, you know, if you're from the South, chocolate gravy and biscuits is a thing. It's mm-hmm. delicious. Yeah, she had no idea. She doesn't like it as sweet. Um, so her thing is anti-sickening sweet, where I, um, I don't mind sweet drinks. I actually like sweet, sour drink, that balance. Um, it very, um, I, you know, I get the orange chicken, which is just the, in Chinese food, which is just the perfect. So sweet. Yeah, super sweet, but also, you know, a little tangy. So we have this balance of I know how to make her cocktail. She knows how to make mine and vice versa. I know what whiskey she likes. She kn- You know, we have so many whiskeys, not because of what I do, part of it, but also because we have such different palates. And But I think that's really rad. And that motivates me when I meet people in the whiskey world. I'll annoyingly find myself, you know, I, we had friends come to a, a, one of my favorite bars in my area, and they have a huge whiskey collection. And I'm friends with the bartender and the, and the owner of the place. So we shut the place down. I mean, everybody left for the night and whatever, and the staff was cleaning up. And I had her, she was there with her boyfriend, and they're both friends of ours, and she wasn't a whiskey drinker. And I'm just trying my best to go down a list of, well, what wine do you like? What do you, and I'm, what, what's your favorite food? What do you, and I'm just really, I wanted her to, and then we got all the way down to this weird, you know, place where we finally, it was a, it was Four Roses Single Barrel. And I don't know if she just had a lot to drink or whatever. But she tasted that and she goes, well, I like this. This is really mm-hmm. good. And I'm like, you're probably drunk. But at least we got there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and we yeah. found something. And, you know, I think at one point we were in weeded whiskeys. And I was like, okay, maybe you're weeded. You like the creaminess or whatever. But I really want to understand, like, so let's say you. You're, you're, you're Heather Wilbur. You're, you're a legend in your own right. You're in your house. Somebody breaks in. And they go, they were robbing you. But, man, we're thirsty. And you're like, well, I don't know you. Are you a whiskey person? They're like, not really. Where, how are you, once you tame them and they put their gun down and they're no longer involved in this burglary that I invented, what are you saying to this random stranger? What questions are you asking them to find out where they're at and what you start with? Does that make sense? Like, how do you find a new friend? Yeah, I, so, so I, I do so much with cocktails. I, I love turning people onto whiskey, but I realize that some people are just not whiskey people and that's okay. Mm. There's plenty of room for other spirits. But what I usually do is I ask them what they drink when they go out. Do they drink beer? Do they drink wine? Mm. What kind of wine do they drink? Do they drink cocktails? What kind of cocktails do they drink? You know, for somebody who really drinks wine, if I'm really trying to get them into whiskey, what I'll do is look at wine finished whiskeys. Um, so, so obvious. Angels yeah. Envy sometimes will work, but some of the cab finishes, like if they love red wine, um, some of the cab finish, secondary finishes can be really nice. I will have them pour it on the rocks, uh, let it sit for a little bit. And as the water melts and it chills a little bit, it does two things. So a lot of wine drinkers, well, they drink white wine, so certainly they drink it chilled. So having it chilled a little bit helps them acclimate to it. And that drops the proof down if you add the ice in the water. So you're putting it not at the same proof as a wine, but closer to that. And then they can pull out some of the wine notes. Cause I, the way, when I work with people on exposing them to a new spirit or a new set of flavors, it's all about connecting that flavor to either a pleasant or fun experience they've already had or something I know they already like. Mm. 
So if you can help bridge, make a bridge between something that they enjoy that you know um, and something that they can detect or ascertain in a spirit, you can help make that first step into either being a whiskey drinker or a gin drinker or loving bitter drinks or loving sour drinks. So I think it's, it really is, whether it's whiskey or whether it's cocktail, it really is connecting with them and letting them tell you honestly what they think. Cause they probably don't want to hurt your feelings either. Yeah. Right. More but people than you would think really like to hurt my feelings, but that's, I think that's, just but, who I, am. but I, mean, I get what you're saying. I, yeah. I say a hundred times your palate is your own. You're right. not going to like the same thing as me. And after you say it for a hundred times, you know, they start to think, Oh, maybe she really doesn't judge me for my palate. Yeah. And, and one of the things I think is really interesting when I talk to women but they'll be whiskey drinkers and they'll just say, oh, I hate the the whiskey. My husband, he always wants me to drink it. I don't like the the whiskey or women who have wives whose wives are crazy bourbon women. They're just like, ah, I don't need any of that bourbon. It's too harsh for me. Um, what's interesting, though, is that women actually have larger olfactory bulbs than men. So our olfactory bulbs in our brains, you know, in our nasal cavities are 40 percent larger than men. And biologically, that was an imperative to help with. Uh, over, you know, hundreds of thousands of years with human evolution. But what that means is that women have the capacity to be more sensitive to aromas and flavors and things of that nature. So when women say they don't like stuff and they're comparing it to the flavor for the flavor profile or the preference of a man, sometimes it's a mismatch because of the uh, extra sensitivity that women have to some sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. No, really. Yeah. That's, I mean, I yeah. love science. I love the nerdiness of it. And that's spot on. I mean, you evolved to be better than us and it's okay. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying. That's what not, I'm saying. not at all. I, I no, she's you, not, you can say I that, am. but no, but, but what I would say is, um, biologically women have the mm. capacity to have a high sensitivity to flavors and scents, but that all has to be trained in. It all has to be gathered as experience. That's all something that you have to build as 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 part of your life experiences, as part of your whiskey drinking experiences yeah. or your cocktail drinking experiences. No, I love that. That is not something that is that inherently women are always better at, at uh, reviewing or tasting or doing tasting notes than men. That is not the case at all. And honestly, it just takes lots of practice and lots of thoughtful consumption and evaluation of things. I am, I'm fr like I said before, I'm from Texas. I was in the Marine Corps. I, I'm, I'm, I, I think of myself as a manly guy, and I like that. And I'm not a feminist. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that means, and maybe I am. But I think women, I, I say that because I don't want it to sound like I'm placating. I'm kind of putting a little you know, crust around my thing. And that's a protective mechanism. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I don't want people to think I'm just placating. In this industry, I have sincerely, honestly found women to be the most inspirational and educated. I've learned more from women in this industry than I have from anybody else. And that is the absolute truth. And I think it plays into this. And I don't want to go down this path, especially as we're wrapping it up. It plays to this weird dynamic of it's a very boys club world, it seems like, yet women hold all the cards. And I don't understand the mentality of the two the two things. It's like 
my wife goes into a liquor store to buy, not our friends' liquor stores because we have, but maybe she goes into like a Total Wine or something, not to pick on them. And she'll be in the whiskey aisle, and she's treated very much differently than any any man there is, and yet she probably knows more about what's on those shelves than anyone else does. I mean, she was buying up the Jack Daniel, you know, looking at the Jack Daniel bonded, in, which won, you know, whiskey of the whatever, and, you know, congratulations, E.T. and his team. But um, before anybody, it, she just knows more, and yet she's treated with an aspect that doesn't make any sense. And I just, I really, that bums me out because there's the Heathers, there's the, you know, Peggy's, the Dana's in the world that can teach you. So I've learned more from this conversation than a lot of times I'll have an interview and I already know, and we're just having a conversation. I've learned, like I've had these moments where I'm just like, holy shit, I didn't even think of that. That's what I love. And I hope, I hope more people listening to my show really reach out really learn from and really look at these human beings specifically women that are doing amazing things i bring them up all the time penderin penderin uh welsh whiskey mo- all women team and not because they're women they were just the best people from the job is a random test they sent out into the world saying you know who's the best this it was random and it just happened to be and then they had a visitor come through their distillery and said oh wow you have a whole women woman team and i think the uh owner looked back and goes oh i didn't even realize that they were just they were just the ones that did the best on the test so really bravo well, I, I i think what you also have to think about is the changes that have occurred in the last 10 years yeah, yeah. have been rather monumental in getting not only the recognition that women have been doing this work for ages, but also that they have the skill and the passion for it as much as anyone who's in the industry and not just women, anyone from any underrepresented community. So the, the whiskey, the whiskey world likes to think of itself as a community and it's doing much, much better than it has been in the past. It is much, much more welcoming, but but what I would say to you is that um, groups like Bourbon Women, people like myself, or Peggy No Stevens, or Susan Ringler, the, mm. the or Samara, Samara Davis, Davis. right, oh, the Black Bourbon Society, they are building diversity into communities that combines education with connection. Yeah, and those two things together are incredibly powerful because if you there is there is something so magical about sipping a bourbon in a room full of 400 women. I can't even communicate to you what's that, what that's like. I mean, at our four day national symposium, we had almost 400 people last year, most 95, 96% of them women. And we are sipping and toasting one another. We're learning together. And I think that when you have opportunities to educate as a woman, especially to someone, another woman or someone who is new to the industry, we take it because in some ways we know what it's like to start that journey and to not exactly know where we're headed, um, to be accepted and to have someone take us under their wing, talk to us about bourbon in a way that doesn't uh, make us feel like we don't know what we talk, we're, we're talking about, but also somebody who says, well, your palate is your own. You're going to like some of these and you're not going to like others. That doesn't make you a bad whiskey drinker, just makes you picky. And there's nothing wrong with knowing mm. what you like and knowing what you enjoy and wanting to share that with other people. I love that. I love that, Heather. I mean, my wife's the kind of woman that orders a cast drink neat 
and I, you know I want the pina colada and I think that's okay I don't know how many times you know the guy at the bar has brought us the wrong drink and mixed them up because they assumed and I a lot of people here are saying inclusive inclusivity inclusive we did this last time I cannot say that word say it In- inclusive inclusivity inclusive whatever anyway thank you Heather um yeah, um, and then they hear bourbon women, and they think that sounds a little, um, you know, uh, counterproductive. But the, here's the thing: here's the great, here's the great metaphor: bourbon women, and you, you can be a man and join. And yeah. yeah, so that's the point. That's the message, and I, I, I freaking love that. Heather, you, you are really, you really a cool person, and I really do consider you a friend. And I, I think you're. I think you're doing amazing things for the whiskey community and just and just the cocktail community in general, the spirits community in general. I think your wealth of knowledge. I think anything you write, I've read your articles, I've I've followed you, I see what you're putting out there. You really give a shit about what you're doing. And I, I think that's the most important warm feeling that you can get is when you when you have somebody that truly cares and you are a nerd in the best way possible. And you really <laughs> know I mean that. I mean you are the coolest Oh no, I am I, I own it. I freaking love that. And it's just I've learned so much. I, I really could talk to you for another three hours. I just, I'm getting to wrap you all, up. You all need to come down. I, we and are. Just come We're, over and yeah. hang out. Yeah. Next time you're here, let's coordinate. You guys let's can come over. I don't, I don't know that I'll have whiskey that you don't have, but I probably have spirits and modifiers you don't. So that's what I'm saying. You're going to make it a different fun or bitter fun. Yeah. You're going to make it a different experience. And I, I, I just, I really think you're, you're cool people. And, um, I want my listeners to find you, follow you, seek you out stalk you go to your house break in buy your drinks no i'm just kidding don't do those last two things that part but yeah yeah, but i can share all my social channels she is she's open she's friendly she's i'm not going to talk for but tell us where they can find you who you you know give us a little wrap up about where they give you the full rundown yeah so first of all you can find my book on amazon.com or any online retail retail uh, establishment and independent booksellers bourbon is my comfort food my personal website is cocktailcontessa.com if you need to reach me on instagram cocktail underscore contessa but even more important if you are someone who would like to join bourbon women that's bourbonwomen.org there's a big join us button in the middle it's very simple to join um, we have like i said branches from coast to coast we have women who are fascinated by bourbon and whiskey or just slightly curious who want to sip it in a room full of women in a situation that's engaging and fun and creates connections. Um, so those are the those are the main channels I'm on, our Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, like I said, my website on there too. And I seriously do 911 cocktail call calls all the time. I usually get DMs on Instagram or Facebook. Hey, I'm working on this cocktail. I can't get it to taste right. What, should I, what am I doing wrong? How can I help? So, yeah. All right, Chasers. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Please follow us on Instagram at Cast Chasers, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also visit our website for more content and merchandise at www.castchasers.org. Thank you again for listening. And remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase.